Hey everyone, this is Kurt Mercadante, and whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, I want to thank you for choosing to spend your time with me and our guests here on Freedom Mindset Radio. You know, now more than ever in this turbulent time, it's important to share and spread our message of freedom and fulfillment around the globe. So if you get value from this podcast, I have a favor to ask. If you could go wherever you listen to this podcast and leave us a positive rating and review, that helps us carry our message further around the globe. And if you wouldn't mind, Post a link to this podcast on your Facebook page. Share it on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, wherever you're at on social media. I want to thank you for helping us take our message to those people around the globe who truly need it. And I want to thank you for being a loyal listener. Thank you. I was driving back home from college. Uh, fell asleep at the wheel. Uh, broke my back. Spinal cord injury. The doctor told me I was, I was be, you know, I'd be paralyzed for the rest of my life from the belly button down. What does the word freedom mean to you? Only you can define it in your life and only you can decide to build the life of freedom and fulfillment you deserve. This is Freedom Mindset Radio. I'm your host, Kurt Mercadante, and we're grateful you're here. Hey everyone, this is Kurt Mercadante once again with the Freedom Media Network where we interview incredible, inspiring individuals who are inspiring others to live lives of freedom, abundance, prosperity, and more. Today, you're going to enjoy our discussion with Adam Gorlitsky. He's a marathoner, just completed the Charleston Marathon in a little over 33 hours. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, I know a lot of people who have completed a marathon a lot quicker than that, but here's the difference. A little over 14 years ago, Adam was in a car accident, paralyzed from the waist down, told he would never walk again. That marathon he completed last month, it was done in a state-of-the-art robotic exoskeleton suit. For the last several years, he's been running 5Ks, 10Ks now, a marathon inspiring others to re-enable themselves. Adam, thanks so much for joining us today. Pleasure, man. So Adam, the first question, obviously I want to get into the exoskeleton, your story, the history, the the, the marathon, what you're doing to inspire others, raise awareness, raise money. But the first question, the only set question I ever ask anyone is the word freedom. What does that word mean to you? Man. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a loaded question. I mean, you know, how much time you got? <laughs> uh, I think to me, freedom is, um, you know, freedom of, uh, 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 things, freedom of oppression, you know, um, being able to think freely for, you know, to, you know, do, do what you want or you know, do and to think, uh, the way that, that, that you want to feel, uh, freedom to express yourself. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just freedom to be who you are without, um, you know, feeling oppressed. Sure, yeah, sure. Which is a pretty heavy word, I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and, and so a little over 14 years ago, December 2005, you yeah. were in a car accident, paralyzed from the waist down. Now, you come out of that. I want to talk about you know, what happened after that, but that could feel like a form of oppression, yeah. right? And certainly something that would curtail your freedom. You're never going to walk again, right? I mean, maybe it's something that we take for granted, walking down the street, walking to the fridge, getting up, wherever it is, right? Do you feel that you have a different sense of freedom now? I mean, you're doing marathons, you're doing all these things, but you're doing it with the help of an exoskeleton suit than you did 15 years ago? Uh, I mean, you know, definitely. Um, You know, I think over the past 14, you know, that that was 14 years ago. I was driving back home from college, uh, fell asleep at the wheel, 
uh, broke my back, spinal cord injury. The doctors told me I was, I was be, you know, I'd be paralyzed for the rest of my life from the belly button down. Um, I think it definitely toughens you up a little bit. You know, you're, you kind of, you know, while I was 19 years old, I'm, uh, I'll be 34, uh, six months from now. Um, you know, I think, uh, you kind of lose yourself for a second. You know, I was, I was 19. So my, my body was, was everything to me. Right. I was, uh, you know, I grew up playing basketball, ran track, cross country. Um, so I was forced to kind of find myself again. Uh, so I guess with, with this exoskeleton, it's kind of, um, it's allowed me to, I, I in, in, in many ways kind of allowed me to find myself. Yeah. Um, kind of rediscover that athletic side of me. Um, and it's, you know, it's also done a few, a few other things as well, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible piece of, uh, of, uh, uh, of, uh, technology. So you say rediscover yourself and, and I know you like to use the term instead of enable, yeah. re-enable, re-enable. Yeah. Why do you, what's behind that term? Why do you prefer that term? Yeah. Uh, so the, the term re-enabled, uh, it, it started, it all starts with how I feel when I'm in this exoskeleton. Uh, I don't feel disabled. I don't feel able-bodied. Uh, I feel what I call re-enabled and all that really means just what it feels to be, uh, empowered. Um, you know, I think, um, it's just how I feel. It's like that. Um, it's like that scene from avatar. Have you seen the movie avatar? Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, the, the main character is also paralyzed. Uh, Jake Sullivan, I, th- I think is his name. Uh, and it's like that scene where he first becomes that blue creature. Uh, it's like his whole world opened up. Right. Yeah. And you just kind of get that vibe of, you know, he was running, jumping. Now this exoskeleton, I can't obviously jump and run. Uh, I walk pretty slow. It's, 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 it's more Terminator like than avatar uh, <laughs> in the physical sense. But every time that, that I get into that, you know, in, into this exoskeleton, um, you know, like it's like a roller coaster ride almost like I feel empowered. I feel I don't know. I just feel like I can just express myself freely. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's like, a, I'm, I'm not sure. It's, it's a weird thing, you know? Um, yeah, it's probably it's, something we can't know. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure. Through. I mean, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sure. But I think everybody feels re-enabled in some way, shape or form uh, or empowered. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an athlete. Uh, I'm also a, a storyteller, you know, but uh, uh, five years ago before all this, I got leg stuff. You know, I was, I was at a film production school. So, um, you know, all these cameras of, you know, I'm very, you know, I'm pretty, you know, I've been hands on with them, but, uh, so it's, it's the same feeling that I got when I you know, held a camera for the first time, it's felt free to kind of express myself. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of all re-enabled or empowered really means to me. Yeah. Um, just kind of freedom to express yourself. Yeah. I know people who have, uh, who have great artistic talent, drawing, painting who've never done it. And I had one client who uh, signed her up for an art class where I gave her a link to sign up. She signed up and was selling artwork like that. Yeah. She had that feeling yeah. rediscovering her talents, being re-enabled. And it actually spilled over into every part of her life, yeah. spilled over into her career, just her art class and painting things, better relationships. Oh, right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's, it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've walked in almost 50 races uh, over the past four years using this exoskeleton. Uh, and I do feel like, you know, every time that I cross the finish line, especially with like a really big race, like, like, you know, with, you know, with the Charleston marathon, uh, I did a half marathon last year, but every really big race, uh, it definitely, it, st- it stays with me, you know, when I, when I cross the finish line into, into other parts of my life. Um, so I definitely kn- kn- you know, know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone is, people will see, well, this interview, but 
they can Google and they'll see the, the kind of the, the victorious finishing the marathon, bridge run, all these things, right? But let's back up to back near 2005 when this happened. Um, I'm sure you didn't feel re-enabled at that point. Yeah. What did you go through those first couple of years? Because it took 10 years before you got the exoskeleton, yeah. right? Yeah. So first couple of years, uh, what were those like? Because there's a lot of people who go through, yeah. whether it's paralysis, mentally, physically, whatever it is, they go through these, these tough times and it's helpful for them to hear, not just the great parts and the, and the re-enabling part, but, yeah. but that beginning part. Uh, well, look, I, I was, I was 19 years old when I got paralyzed, uh, you know, when, when I was in my car accident. So I, um, you know, look, I, I was by myself, you know, no, no one else caused my accident, but I mean, I, I yeah, I wasn't wearing my seatbelt. Uh, I, I, uh, I fell asleep at the wheel. So it's totally my fault. Like I, I knew I was tired. I knew I wasn't wearing my seatbelt. So I think, um, I was able to get over my car accident. I think faster, maybe because of that. Uh, I meet a lot of people that somebody else caused their, you know, the, their, their, you know, their injury. Uh, and there's you know, years later, they're still kind of bitter about it. And, and I kind of understand, you know, they haven't had that closure yet. Hmm. Um, so me, I, you know, I was, I mean, look, I, I you know, you know what it is? Uh, I call it my laugh to cry ratio. Um, you know, when I first got, you know, like in my car accident, it was injured. My laugh to cry ratio was one laugh for one cry. Right. But as time goes on, you know, it's, you know, that, it, that, that ratio starts to expand. Um, so my laugh to cry ratio 14 years later, it's like 10,000 laughs for every one cry, hmm. but the one cry is still there. Right. Yeah, right. And, um, so I, I think, but I've like learned to accept that one cry, which I think a lot of people, uh, you know, don't. Yeah, and, and I think that's what's separate. Like, I, I think when you finally, and, and I guess that one cry is like the rock bottom moment. Right. Um, you know, it, it's something that, that always happens every now and then, but I think once you kind of learn to accept it, you then start taking ownership of it. Um, so I meet a lot of people that, that, um, who are paralyzed that will, that will never tell you that, you know, that they ever cry, that their injury never gets them down. Hmm. And you find that, you know, just through you know, getting to know those people, I mean, not all of them, but, um, um, you know, that, that one cry because they, they're, they keep denying it, that it ever happens that it takes, you know, it really kind of takes control of their entire life, you know, when it, so, when it comes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I think that's what I've, I've learned the most. Um, now look, I, I was, you know, I'm only paralyzed from my belly button down. So, um, it could have been way worse. I mean, I remember being at the, uh, at the shepherd center in Atlanta, it's, it's the spinal cord injury center. And there's a kid also 19 years old. Uh, he was, he was paralyzed from the neck down from a motocross accident. Uh, his name was Philip. Yeah, Philip. And um, I mean, you know, when I saw him, I mean, you know, he was completely paralyzed from his neck down, I mean, you know, for the rest of his life. Um, so it, it puts it in perspective. You yeah. know, when, when you're when you see somebody like that, I mean, it's just every day he's bawling his eyes. I mean, I, I'm not even sure if, he, if he's still alive. So, um, you know, it could always be worse. And I think, um, you know, you just learn to accept your perceived weakness or, you know, whatever, you know, get, you know, Whatever makes you cry or you feel insecure about, you kind of learn to take control of it. It's interesting, though. I mean, what's so striking is you said, I'm only paralyzed from the waist down. And that sense of, I I sense that there's a lot of gratitude in there for what you have, for coming out of it. I mean, the fact that you said, well, it was my fault, take ownership, and that helps you get past it. 
you can apply this to anything physical, mental, that people have these challenges and yeah. kind of taking ownership and realizing I'm going to take ownership. I'm going to take personal responsibility. Cause I'm sure you've seen, whether it's in the hospitals, centers, wherever, as you go, people who would rather kind of fold their arms up, blame the universe, and that's it. Yeah. Right? And, and yeah. has it taken you a long time to get to this point to, uh, to, with this kind of attitude? Or, or was it something you learned in the first couple of years as you went? I think, you know, like what I've, like, I'm, uh, I'm like Simon, I'm a pretty positive guy. I mean, I, I'm positive. I mean, yeah, I, I think I'm, at baseline, I'm a positive guy. But look, when I won't cry, it hits. Yeah. Uh, you know, look, like, like you hate the world for a second. You know, uh, you know it, so I, I find that when that cry hits, it, it's healthy to, to say the world sucks. Yeah. You got to vent it out. You, yeah. you got to. Um, I find that, uh, when, yeah, when that one cry hits, um, nah, it, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, every now and then it happens. But uh, yeah, you got to vent. Uh, I, find, I find that... Uh, a good night's sleep or, or like a very long nap event, a good vent, a long nap, and then like a workout afterward. And I'm like, all right, you know what? That, that cry wasn't that bad. <laughs> you know, all, all that stuff that I was complaining about, it really wasn't that bad. Uh, and then you start seeing like all the silver linings within it. And, um, but you got to vent. You know, I, I saw Chelsea Handler. Um, yeah. She was giving some, uh, some uh, interview. I, I, she goes, yeah, I, you know, it helps to, to vent it out. Um, and like her person event to, uh, what, uh, what, uh, what's her dad. Um, so I, yeah, I think my, my dad's probably someone I could vent to and, you know, but, uh, yeah, we all have that. We all need that person. At least. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I think, uh, you know, look, some, some people vent out on Facebook, yeah, uh, which right. is fine. I mean, you know, whatever, but, uh, but I mean, you know, it's like, everything's both good and bad. Right. So it's, I think it's important to see, see both the good and the bad. And then, yeah. And, yeah. and then it's like, when, once you're able to see both the positive and negative in, in every situation, you're able to take control of it, you know, kind of spin it one way or the other. So that's, uh, you know, a lot of people, the, the yin and the yang, right. That people yeah. see them as opposites and really yeah. what the Buddhist says, no, they're together. And, um, the fact that you're angered, don't deny it. Yeah. It's, it's your brother. Yeah. Embrace it. Let it out. I get, yeah. The problem is when people, you can tell you speaking of Facebook when they're just, they've let the anger envelop them and define them yeah. forever, you know? And it's like, yeah. Yeah. but also I, I hear you say, you know, there's a lot of folks who say, will say happiness is the goal and they'll confuse a few laughs with a life of fulfillment. And they're yeah. two different things, right? Because you can be fulfilled yeah. and have shitty days, yeah. right? You can, yeah. people get sick, people die. I mean, you know, things happen. Um, yeah. but I guess you embrace those, you're aware of them, yeah. you let it out and then you move on. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I you know, I, I, like, I mean, now I, I'm, I'm, I'm a very fulfilled person. Uh, I think happiness is like a short term, you know, spur of the moment kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of debate you can make about around that, you know, a lot of philosophical discussions. Sure. Sure. Right. But, yeah. uh, yeah, with me, I'm, 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 I'm fulfilled. Uh, yeah. And happiness, you know, it's a short-term thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really sure if I, uh, quite no, you did, you did. It's, 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 <laughs> it's something that it's hard to understand because everyone's happiness, happiness, happiness. 
And happiness, like you said, can be fleeting. When you're fulfilled, the happiness, maybe you have the 10, you know, that's when you have the 10,000 laughs or, or yeah. smiles to the one cry. Yeah. And, and it's easier to get over the cry, right? When you're not fulfilled, that cry, that's when it can take over your life. I, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, we interviewed a guy named Randy Gage. And he talked about tribalism and why people go to certain groups and yeah. cults and even gangs. And it's, they lack a sense of meaning in their life. So they, they have yeah. to attach it to something. It's true. And sometimes when you lack that fulfillment meaning, you can attach it to your yeah. anger, That's right? You, yeah. If you join other people, misery loves company, anger loves a tribe. You know, you put together that tribe of angry people and it's, yeah. you can see them on Facebook, right? You That's can, true. Um, so That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. You, 10 years go by. And you decide, well, forget this. I'm going to go. There's this exoskeleton. You find it. You go get it. Yeah. Tell us about that process and, and yeah. what went through your head and, and how you went and got this thing. I think it was 80,000 bucks, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, at the time. Now yeah. it's like 120, I believe. Is it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, I discovered, so 10 years after my accident. Um, so, I'm, I'm a member of the Roper, Hospital, Roper St. Francis Spinal Cord Injury Clinic. Uh, uh, Roper St. Francis here in downtown Charleston. And, um, I go down for my, about once a year for my, for my annual checkup, you know, they just you know, say, Hey, you know, how, how, are, how are you doing? Are you feeling pain? And you're, what, yeah, it's a pretty quick checkup. Uh, so I guess almost yeah, four and a half years ago, went down for my annual checkup. They said, Hey, we have this exoskeleton program. Uh, I had actually asked about it about two years prior. Cause I saw it on YouTube and it looked cool. You know, um, you know, I'm like down to try out, you know, like pretty much anything. Yeah. And it wasn't like a surgical thing. So I was like, all right, like I could try this out. You know, if it's the surgery, I'd be, you know, be a little apprehensive maybe. You know, I don't want to be the first person to try out the surgery. You know? Yeah, right. Um, right. But yeah, like if, if it's something I can just strap on, you know, it's not a problem. Um, so I had asked them about it a couple of years prior. Uh, they, they said, you know, we, we don't, we, you know, we don't have it, but maybe in the future we'll, you know, we'll eventually get it. Uh, so yeah, four and a half years ago, I went down. They, they, they finally got it. They said, hey, we have the exoskeleton now. You want to try it out? Yeah, you know, we 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 think you you'd be a great candidate for it. I said sure. Uh, went down about a month later, tried it out. Um, now look, you know, at the time I was still in film production school, uh, so I, you know, when I first saw it, I didn't think road races. Um, I thought <laughs> I thought like a short documentary. I, yeah. I wanted to actually make this like funny kind of fake documentary where. Um, I don't know, it's a whole thing I can tell you about, but it, it, it was the, the silly kind of documentary, like fake documentary. And, uh, Spinal Tap. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was in the same vein, yeah. Uh, so, um, so I went down about a month later, and I stood up for the first time, and that's kind of when it really hit me. Uh, I felt like an athlete again for, 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 for whatever reason. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I was always, you know, stayed kind of in shape. I wasn't, like, big. Um, although I... You know, when, when I look at videos now from you know, back then um, uh, compared to now, I'm like, man, I'm a lot, a lot fitter now. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's like, um, so yeah, I really started with, you know, with my physical therapist at Roper St. Francis uh, at the Spinal Cord Clinic. Um, you know, I just, I just remember what, what she said. We have the, you know, we have the exoskeleton. You want to try it out? Yeah, I thought about the, the Spinal Tap fake, fake mockumentary type, yeah. type thing I wanted to do. And, um, but no, then when I stood up for the first time about a month later, it's just, you know, I felt like an athlete again. I, I felt like I was training for a track meet. Um, and then I, it's just like literally right when I stood up, I was like, I got to do the Cooper river bridge run, um, which was, that was in 2015. 
the summer of 2015, I stood up. So I had about a nine month period from when I stood up to the 2016 bridge run. Um, and I kind of just, you know, started storytelling, you know, through, through social media, you know, making, you know, making little videos. Yeah. So it's like all my passions collided into this exoskeleton. And now you've done 50 races, including yeah. marathon. Yeah. Now the LA marathon you tried last year, didn't oh, quite get it. Really. And now you have the, the world record. Yeah. Right. For yeah. completing an exoskeleton. Now, a lot of people will run marathons and they'll, they, they experience pain in their legs and things like yeah. that, their feet. You experience a marathon a bit differently, obviously, right? Yeah. You feel in your wrists and your arms, oh, yeah. but also, you know, you look at it and you're like, all right, well, 33 hours, right? But regardless of the marathon, try to stand in the corner of a room for 33 hours, right? Yeah. Much less yeah. move, move. Yeah. What, what, how do you train for something like that? Because it's, it's not, yeah. you know, you run, you run, you run, but the, just the pounding of the wrist is, is I was thinking of uh, when I read, I read the, the story in runner's world yeah. uh, about it. And, um, have you, have you read David Goggins, book? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and he describes the, uh, oh my gosh, he's unbelievable. He had the same a book publisher as I do. And he, yeah. but he's, but his description of the, uh, the pull-ups and, oh, just, yeah. and the description of oh, your arms and wrists and all yeah. these things, how do you train for something like that? Well, I think, uh, well, I, I, I didn't attend my first marathon until about three and a half years into it, but, you know, into using the exoskeleton. Uh, I had done you know, 5k, 10k, uh, I did a half marathon. Uh, so I, I kind of knew what to expect. Uh, you, you referenced the Los Angeles marathon last year. Um, I mean, that, that was my first marathon attempt. Uh, have you ever been, been out to Los Angeles? Yeah. Yeah, it's like so hilly, right? Oh, yeah, right, yeah. It's, it, yeah we it, don't have those here. No, no. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, so, you know, we have a, like a really big bridge, you know, obviously. It's like, you know, two or three times steep, you know, every hill out, out in L.A. Um, so I, I only made it 17.2 miles total uh, in, in Los Angeles. So I, I technically failed. Uh, so that, I think that attempt, though, that, that failure... Uh, you know, really helped me achieve this world record last month yeah. um, at the Charleston Marathon. Uh, I, I think I think it definitely takes putting yourself out there and failing in front of everybody. Yeah, because yeah. you can let a failure define you or become a learning experience, yeah. right? And, and yeah. you did the latter. Yeah, and um, so I, I, you know, going through it, feeling you know, like the pain in my wrist, you know, for, for like you know that for you know that period, long period of time. Uh, yeah, I was I was training training well, you know, in the in the four or five months leading up to the Charleston Marathon. Yeah, I, I just felt really good. I, I felt like I was I was a lot fitter. Um, but I, I think it it just, it just takes. Uh, I, I I I don't think I could have done. I mean, I uh, uh, I could have completed the the Charleston Marathon, but I couldn't have broken the the, the world record um, without failing first. Yeah, uh, I think it definitely took that failure first to 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 break this record at, at the Charleston Marathon. That's an interesting lesson for it. I just finished a biography of Thomas Edison, and that guy would fail spectacularly. Yeah. It came to a point where uh, his labs or a bunch of buildings caught on fire, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, my gosh!" He goes, "Call the family here. It'll be a lifetime before they ever see a fire and a view like this." Yeah. He, he like saw joy in it and was like, well, I'll rebuild whatever yeah. it is. And, and, and he just went from thing to thing. And I, I think the lesson, is, you know, there's a lot of people who would do that and see, okay, that's my failure. I'm never going to try it again. Yeah. 
rather than saying, all right, what did I do? What can I learn from it? Yeah. Uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you know Dr. Joe at oh. all. Uh, chiropractor and talks about here Charleston. No, 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 no. Nationally, internationally, uh, self healing and the biology of belief and, and those types of things. And one thing he says is, uh, you know, the key is to when you detach the emotion from the memory yeah. instead of a failure, you have wisdom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you could sit there and say, I failed. I'm never going to do that again. That was tough. Yeah. But no, you learned what it needed to be, and then you broke the world record. Yeah. Well, I think um, to maybe like uh, piggyback on what, what, what you, 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 know, you just talked about, um, I think with me, it's, it all starts with knowing who I am. I think um, I have a very strong sense of who I am. I'm, I'm an athlete, I'm a storyteller, uh, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm what I call a social entrepreneur. Um, so I, I, I baseline them those three nouns. Yeah. Um, like 80 or 90% of the time of those three. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other 20, 10 to 20%, I dabble in other things, but <laughs> for, for the most part of those three. Um, and if, I, I find that if I do those three things on a daily, like activities that fall within those three categories, athlete, storyteller, and social entrepreneur, I feel very fulfilled. Um, and it's like, I'm like unstoppable because like failing, I almost, yeah, it's like, what you, it's like, you kind of look it's like with Thomas Edison, it's like, he looked forward to it. Yeah. Right. You know? So, so yeah, it's like, it's like impossible to fail, like to really like long-term. Um, have you ever failed or just, you know, it's, it's, it's a short-term failure. It's a long-term positive or yeah. it's a short-term failure is always a long-term win. Um, as long as it falls within who I am. Yeah. And it'd be hard for you to have an event as impactful as what happened 14 years ago. Right. I mean, yeah. at, at this point you're here, yeah. they gave yeah. it their best shot and you're still here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey everyone, this is Kurt Mercadante and I want to thank you for being a loyal listener to freedom mindset radio. You know, in this chaotic time of coronavirus chaos, it's so important for people to have a process to define, create, and live their lives of freedom and fulfillment. I lay out just that process in my Amazon bestseller, Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle. And in light of this turbulent time, I've dropped the Kindle price of my book to $4.50. That's a more than $2 drop in price. I do this because I truly believe that this is a process that will help those who need freedom and fulfillment now. Perhaps it's you. Perhaps you have spent the past five years, 10 years, 15 years trading away your freedom and fulfillment for a false sense of security and a toxic job and a lifestyle that doesn't fulfill you. And now you're realizing that security was an illusion and you want your freedom now. Go to fivepillarsoffreedom.com right now. There, you can get chapter one of my book absolutely free, and there's a link to purchase the book. As I said, we have dropped the price to $4.50 for the Kindle version of my book. I know the five pillars of the freedom lifestyle will help you define, create, and start living your freedom lifestyle now. Thanks again for being a listener. I wish you a day a week, a year of freedom and abundance. Well, so the exoskeleton suit, uh, it's like I know people who get fake knees or a fake hip and they don't want to do it too young Yeah. because if they golf a lot, even if they just golf, they got to get a new one. They got to get a new yeah. one. 50 races, not to mention, I mean, the hardest thing about a marathon is to train for it, you know? Yeah. How many have you had? Is it the same suit that you've had yes. since the beginning? The, yeah, the same one. Really? Uh, 
Yes, it's the, it's the same one. You got to get tune-ups. You got to get oil. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, so I described this exoskeleton like the lower half of a Terminator suit. Um, I, I uh, So, yeah, I literally, you know, I'm, I'm in my chair now. I transfer out of my chair. Uh, it's usually sitting, the exoskeleton is usually sitting like in a chair like, like, like how, how you're sitting in. I transfer out of my chair into it, I strap in. Uh, I wear this watch on my right-hand wrist. It's yeah. like the, it's the remote control brain of the exoskeleton. It's got three settings, sit, stand, and walk. So when, when, you know, when, I, stay, when I put it in stand mode, it stands me up. When I put it in a walk mode, I have these two arm crutches. That, uh, so when I put it in a walk mode, I tap forward with each arm crutch, kind of move my hips and abs side to side. And there's a sensor in each hip of the exoskeleton that picks up the movement in my abs and hips, which then kicks in a motor. Um, so so to, to, to answer your question, yeah, it's, uh, it's always break. I mean, I, mean, it's, I mean, it doesn't always break, but every three or four months, something breaks on it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, at the end of the day, it is a machine. Um, I mean, it's, it's a very robust machine. I can, I can you, know, with, you know, with the Charleston Marathon, you know, 26.2 miles, um, I didn't have one, one real break in it. So, yeah. uh, so it's, it's very robust. But every three or four months, something will break on it, whether it's like you know, my, my ankle joint, the motor. Um, but the, the manufacturer is really good about flying in town and fixing it or sen- sending me spare parts for it and stuff. So. So those three you mentioned, athlete, storyteller, social entrepreneur, obviously, when you talk about I got legs, they all come together, right? Because you're telling the stories of your journey, um, which involves you being an athlete, marathoner, world record holder, social entrepreneur. So tell us how it all culminates in that and the mission of I got legs and what you're doing to help others re-enable. Yeah. Uh, So I got legs. Uh, We're dedicated to re-enabling athletes with physical challenges. Uh, so we provide opportunities, programs, uh, and grants that help others like myself who are physically challenged uh, gain access to this kind of mobility technology. Um, you know, we for, for you know for, for the most part we're streamlined to, to athletes. Um, my ultimate goal is to, I have three pillars for this organization. Okay. Um, you know, fundraise uh, to help uh, to help uh, for our grant fund to help individuals. Uh, I want to turn this sport of our, so that's like the first pillar. Uh, you know, how do we help individuals um, and get more people using these exoskeletons? The second pillar is raising awareness, but really leveraging all that raising awareness. So me doing all these races uh, uh, into turning this exoskeleton walking into more of a sport, like an official sport. Um, so, you know, we're, we're in the beginning stages of the Paralympics and stuff. And then ultimately driving forward all this, forward all this, uh, all this uh, exoskeleton technology and other forms of mobility technology. Um, so better exoskeleton. Um, my vision for this new, for a new exoskeleton would be turning it from more Terminator to Avatar. Okay. Uh, so there's, there's a few different things. Um, I don't want to get too technical for everybody, <laughs> but uh, there's a few, I have a few different ideas for that. So we, so yeah, so it's uh, individuals uh, turning this thing into a sport, raising awareness, and then driving all this technology forward. Um, but yeah, it all starts with uh, how I feel when I'm in this exoskeleton. I feel re-enabled. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of forget what you just asked me. No, no, no. That was it. I mean, the mission of I got legs and, and I think, Oh, the social entrepreneur. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, so, I mean, so, uh, so, so really, uh, social entrepreneurs, it's just, uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm based in social media. So I think people think, I mean, like, you know, turning social media into a business, which I can understand why people would think that about me. Um, but it's actually, uh, taking, uh, a, a, a social entrepreneur is, 
somebody who takes practical business concepts and applies them into like a, a nonprofit cause. Um, you know, it's like a social enterprise business model. So, so we're kind of built structured that way. Um, so yeah, so they all kind of tie in together. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. Me as the athlete, um, you know, it's all about telling stories, you know, my story, other people's stories, and then kind of leveraging both of those to create a nonprofit organization that helps out others, uh, other athletes with physical challenges. So, yeah, and I think what you're doing isn't uh, obviously the dollars and the awareness are going to help people yeah. who, who get an exoskeleton, but it's so inspiring to others who there are people who every day wake up with a sense that they have no responsibility over their life. And I think some of it, some of it is programming socially. Yeah. Everything is an epidemic now. Yes. You are the way you are yeah. because of outside control. I actually got back and went back and forth with a doctor two weeks ago. He sells a certain product and was telling everyone it's an epidemic. You have no control. Then he shared an article that showed everything in that article you could change from a lifestyle change. Yeah. Now. What kind of daughter was that? I mean, yeah. He was a bariatric surgeon. Okay. Right. And, and, you know, I have a friend who just lost 240 pounds wow. through lifestyle changes. Yeah. Not saying some people don't need it, not trying to make people feel bad, but you look at you, someone who you could say, there's nothing I could do about this. Yeah. I'm going to sit here forever and I'm going to blame the world. You have a sense of gratitude we've seen today. You have a sense of it could be worse, which is amazing. Um, you got up and you're not only, you've not only re-enabled yourself, now your mission is to help re-enable others. So you've taken ownership, you've taken personal responsibility, and you're out making a difference in the world. You talk about entrepreneurship. I mean, that's a value for value. You're going to offer value for others. People yeah. offer value back. Yeah. Um, so it, it really is incredible beyond you're going beyond even, and even though you're, even your target audience and, and you're helping inspire a lot of people, heck people who want to, you know, the couch to 5k things, yeah. you know, and they've yeah. never done that before. Yeah. Um, Which by the way, sounds like a great name for, for a, an actual 5k race, couch to 5k. Couch to 5K yeah. I like, yeah. <laughs> now I do want to add, so you, you finish the, um, you know, and everyone go check out the, the runner's world article, Google it about, you know, over 33 hours, sleep deprivation, you started kind of hallucinating. And, yeah. and by the way, and, and probably, I mean, it's, it's interesting and I, I don't want to draw too direct a line, but how your accident happened, yeah. falling asleep, sleep deprivation. You know, we used to do the, the drive back from Charleston to Chicago yeah. and I would start seeing things in the road if I drove for four hours at night. Yeah. You started experiencing that in the marathon, right? Oh, yeah. Trying to yell, scream and yell to wake yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, right around mile 20. So, okay. So we, so, the, so with the marathon, uh, with the Charleston marathon, uh, I walk a lot slower than your average able-bodied walker. Um, so I started the marathon, uh, the marathon itself started on Saturday, seven o'clock or seven or five or something. So I started 32, 32 hours before everybody else, uh, Thursday night at 10 30, uh, at 10 30 PM. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't sleep at all. I just powered through it. So right around mile 24. So you're doing the whole thing overnight. For, yeah. The red eye. It was, it was <laughs> nuts. Uh, so yeah. So right around mile 24, the Saturday morning around five o'clock, uh, the final 2.2 miles of the, of the marathon. Yeah. I started having these like micro blackouts, um, you know, that were like between one and two seconds at a time where I, I, I guess I literally, yeah, like fell asleep for like one, one or two seconds while walking. Does it keep moving? Oh yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, it's, it was the weirdest feeling. I, I literally blacked out for like, I mean, it was real quick. I mean, I it's like literally one or two seconds. 
Um, but I just, remember, I just remember being like, God, I think I just died for two seconds or like a second. Um, but no, like you start yelling at yourself. Um, it's uh, the show Entourage or something. It's like Johnny Drama. Uh, he would, <laughs> before every audition, he would, he would uh, like turn around and then yelled himself like arugula. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's similar to that. Uh, but it definitely, yeah, I started yelling at myself a little bit and, uh, no, it was, it was amazing, man. I mean, the, the, the guy that, that broke that, that set the record, uh, his name's Simon Kinley side. It's like my arch nemesis. <laughs> well, have, you met, have you met each other? No, I, uh, so he, so he lives in the small town in, uh, in England. Okay. Uh, so, so we were initially talking through Facebook, uh, before, before his London marathon, uh, he walked the, 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 the 2018 London marathon. Same company, same exoskeleton. Yeah, same yeah. Company. yeah, yeah, same exact uh, exoskeleton, uh, same company. Uh, he he got paralyzed from a brain tumor, uh, so so it's a little. It was, it's, we're both paralyzed, but his injury is a little bit different than mine. Uh, but he, yeah. So we're, we're kind of buddies before his his 2018 London Marathon, and then uh, and then he he set the record, uh, which is 36 hours and 46 minutes. And then he, he, uh, he got a little too good for me. You know, he started talking, so he, see, like, like he started taking some passive aggressive swipes at me right. like, in the, in the London you know, media and all that. Uh, but yeah, so it's a friendly rivalry. <laughs> so I, uh, I've been you trying to by three hours, but yeah, like three and a half. Yeah. So I've been trying to break his record for quite some time, but, uh, so I look forward to, to, to racing again, a one-on-one matchup. Oh, that'd be uh, interesting. Yeah. Which will probably have to be. I, I've I've just started to to reach out to some of his people. So uh, hopefully next year's London Marathon 2021 will have a head-to-head battle. Oh, that's excellent. That's yeah. excellent. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that the the exoskeleton. You had the same one. Yeah. Now it's 120 grand instead of 80. Has it progressed in terms of the technology and the models? Do are, are there other models that are? Yeah. more advanced, you know, it's like the Terminator, right? T yeah. whatever, you know, T 2000. Yeah. So, uh, my exoskeleton, uh, is stayed the same pretty much. Okay. Uh, there's two or three other manufacturers, uh, that make more of a re uh, of like a rehab exoskeleton. Mine really is more for, uh, it's, it really is more of a recreational sport kind of use. Um, if you want, I can get a little more technical with that, but you don't, you don't wear it every day around the house. You, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I theoretically could, uh, I tell people that I want to wear it in like a first, second or third date with a girl, but like a fourth or fifth. Okay. Uh, cause look, it's, 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 it weighs, it's like 55 plus pounds. Okay. Uh, I can't feel my legs. So I kind of have to have somebody with me when I use it for, for, uh, for, uh, insurance purposes, you know, they kind of want somebody with me, uh, you know, if it breaks and you know, that which can happen every now and then. So I, I, I kind of have to have somebody with me. So if I bring it out and like a, if I bust it out on a first date with a girl, you know, it's like, come on, you know, the girl's like, come on, I want to get to know you. <laughs> I, I can't get to know you with this exoskeleton. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I, I guess what I'm trying to, it's, it's made for wider, bigger spaces. Sure. Um, now I, I've worn it to bars and stuff, but it's, it's better for wide open spaces, walks in the park, road races. Um, so what's the question? Uh, oh, oh, the, the, okay. So because of that, um, and with spinal cord injury, it's, it's a tough market. Um, so because of that, and there's a lot of reasons why it's a tough market. It's a permanent injury. This is not a cure by any means for, for spinal cord injury. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still in my wheelchair 99.9% of the time. Uh, so, uh, so the, so the exoskeleton companies have moved on to other exoskeletons for other disabilities. Um, 
there's one. So the company that makes mines, Rewalk, uh, they just started making one for stroke, uh, stroke and cerebral palsy, uh, uh, MS. Uh, and then the other exoskeleton companies have uh, able-bodied exoskeletons for workers and you know, very factory workers and stuff. Um, so one of the things with I Got Legs is that we can kind of take over that the spinal cord exoskeleton uh, and get more people. There's a few different, pro- you, know, I, with, you know, with our programs, we can get more people using them. Uh, street, if we streamline it more to, to road races, it, it kind of becomes more commercialized. Um, the uh, price fall, hopefully, if more people yeah. are getting into yeah, and, and it's more of a sport. If we turn it into, into more of a sport, it becomes NASCAR kind of like NASCAR meets got it. boxing, WWE wrestling. Got sponsors on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that'd be so much fun. Yeah, um, and then more people could be able to afford them because right now health insurance, health insurance, you know, on a, on a very rare case by case basis, will cover these. Um, so it kind of almost takes a nonprofit to partner up with these other manufacturers to. Um, and then th- through our, our athletic programs, get more people using them and fundraising for them. Um, but then ultimately driving forward all, all this technology. So, um, so we're, we're in the very beginning stages of, of really starting to, 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 to do that in, in a much bigger way. So anyone watching right now, how can they help the mission? How can they help yeah. I Got Legs? Uh, look, you know, donate igotlegs.org. Uh, create a fundraiser. You know, we're always, you know, lo- you know, looking for people to help us fundraise. Um, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I'm starting to do more LinkedIn stuff. You're, you're, you're like the really good at, at being on like LinkedIn, LinkedIn and YouTube. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm just starting to get into more LinkedIn and YouTube, but yeah, I got legs, Instagram, Facebook, I got legs.org, uh, volunteer, create a fundraiser. You go out and speak and, and, yeah. and obviously people can share your videos, your yeah. active, tell them those stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, it, it, everything that we do really starts with raising awareness first and then leveraging that certain ways, you know, whether it's fundraisers, you know, dollars, uh, you know, for the greater good, uh, whether it's, you know, sponsorship for, 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 to fund the, to fund the organization. It all starts with raising awareness and just sharing out videos and stuff. So, you know, all, all, all that goes a really long way. So, yeah. Well, Adam, I want to thank you for spending time with us and thank you for your aura of gratitude, the example that you're setting for fellow humans, not just humans with spinal cord injuries, but all of us, because we all go through challenges and, and having that sense of gratitude, that sense yeah. that, that, listen, life can hit us with a lot, right? Life, life has hit you with a lot. You're still going. Yeah. And uh, Adam, thanks yeah. so much for joining us. Yeah.